This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we preview the spring season for Bates Rowing. We also take a look back on a very successful NCAA championships for the women's swimming team. All nine Bobcats returned as All-Americans. Plus, the women's lacrosse team beat Williams for the fourth straight season, and the baseball team is ready for NASCAC play after a strong week of non-conference action. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The men's lacrosse team got the week started Tuesday with a 12-9 win at Keene State before falling on the road to Williams by a score of 16-14. Despite the loss, the Bobcats are ranked 12th in the country and sit just a half game out of first place in the NESCAC. And the women's lacrosse team is still ranked 21st in the nation after the Bobcats picked up their second NESCAC win of the season, defeating the Eves 13-11 on Saturday at Garcelon Field. Senior Katie Allard scored four goals, and sophomore Margaret Smith added two goals and three assists in the come-from-behind victory. It's the fourth straight season the Bates women's lacrosse team has defeated the Eves. We caught up with head coach Brett Allen after the game. I definitely feel like we were very prepared. Uh, we had a really early midweek game this week, which kind of gave us four days to get ready. Um, so we were able to watch some film, do some things that are you know, going to help us play well and obviously prepare for them. Um, so I think that helped, but... You know, we're also in that time of year where it gets a little tougher academically for everybody and the stress level goes up. And so just the fact that they were able to handle that through the week and come in this morning ready to go is a testament to them. Uh, four straight years beating Williams. Uh, most of the games have been pretty close, though, it seems like. I didn't know that. Uh, um, I remember last year's game, and then before that, it's hard to remember all of them. But, um, you know, I think every team we play is really good. You know, if uh, Williams really scares me, they have some very good athletes who are just great players. And, you know, I think if you let them get on a run, they can really hurt you. Um, and in the first half, we kind of gave them a little bit of momentum, and we were luckily able to keep them close so we could catch up and then overtake them. Right, because most of I mean, the first half you played from behind pretty much the whole time didn't have your first lead I think until the second half but as you mentioned it was never more than like a two-goal game it seemed like yeah it was uh, back and forth in the first half and we were either tied or behind the whole time um, you know I think collectively the the team felt like if we cleaned up a few things on the clear and then obviously took advantage of our possessions on offense that the opportunities would keep coming um, and we were able to you know play a little cleaner in the second half and that helped us Allard led the way in terms of goals Margaret Smith having a great year as a sophomore right yeah, they both played really well today. Um, you know, I think Katie's always been a little bit of a finisher, and, and Margaret's certainly a finisher as well. But I, the thing that stood out for me today with Margaret was uh, her ability to keep her head up and find her teammates. I mean, she had two or three assists, I think, if uh, my memory serves me well. And then defensively in the second half, Eliza made some key saves there, huh? Yeah, Eliza was really good. Um, you know, we've kind of been bouncing back and forth a little bit between her and Rachel the last couple of weeks. And uh, Eliza had a great week in practice. She earned the opportunity to play. And, you know, I thought she was really doing a good job. Um, and obviously it's nice to have somebody who's a senior and has some experience and doesn't get rattled when, uh, you know, those last two minutes there, they were getting some possessions and putting some shots on us. 
at the end, you just got to hold on, right? Once you get the ball, hold on to it as long as you can. Well, we have the 90-second possession yeah. clock, and this game used to be so boring because if the team was ahead at the end, they'd just try and stall. And now you can't really stall because you've got to create within that 90 seconds. Um, but certainly when we were short on time at the end to not have to force a clear to go down and then, you know, uh, force a shot to catch up was a nice luxury to have. Got a full week to prepare for an always tough Hamilton team, right? Hamilton's really good. Um, you know, I feel like they're similar to Williams. They have a lot of really great athletes who have some experience. They have some really fast, speedy kids who are skilled. So we're going to need to have a good week. Um, you know, tonight's a, a fun night at Bates for Gala. So the girls get about 24 hours off to just kind of have some fun and be a college kid. Um, but then, yeah, we'll get right back at it on Monday. All right, Coach, thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. The women's swimming team finished 20th in the nation at the NCAA championships last week. With a record tying nine women making the trip, Bates opened the meet by taking eighth in the 200-yard medley relay, and the Bobcats did not look back. Impressing despite having a number of first-time competitors at Nationals. Head coach Peter Casares reflects on a strong finish to the season. Yeah, the goal was to um, get there and swim faster and um, score some points for the college, and you can only do that night. So for years we've gone and, and brought um, athletes to the meet and not everybody has been able to, to experience a night swim. So knowing that we brought our biggest contingent of women ever and all of them um, are coming home with an All-American certificate and the experience of uh, scoring points and knowing they belong at that meet is a huge step um, in our confidence, a huge step in our direction for the program knowing that um, the cupboard's pretty full with people with experience and a desire to get back. First day, right off the bat, top eight performance in one of the relays, right? Tell us about that team and what they did. Yeah, that was um, literally the best way possible to start off the meet. They jumped into their heat. I think they were in lane three or two. Um, there was two or three teams ahead of us in that heat, and they got second. And when you are um, second in the in the prelim heats, you go, wow, we, we have a chance here to, to be top eight. And as the following heats progressed there we were um, eighth in the country um, like that first team all-american status getting the trophy to bring back at night and walking up on the podium to kick off nationals I think it really just showed them that yeah we can swim at the highest level at the biggest meet possible and and we're doing it with a lot of new faces and let's have some fun this weekend female bobcat of the week caroline apathy got third in the uh, butterfly 100 yard butterfly and a tie for third that sounds like a very close race yeah I mean it was it was an amazing race to watch unfold. All five women, um, five out of the eight women were neck and neck the entire way, separated by a tenth or less as the race unfolded. And Caroline was tough. She swam her race really well, had um, a great final turn with a, a great kick out and brought it home. Um, and I think she went from fifth to third on that last lap. And um, she tied with somebody, and then she beat um, an opponent by .01. So even the person behind them in fifth was right there. And uh, for her to get that touch out and come out with that third-place spot was, was huge. She was 11th last year, so to finish third this year at the meet was great. And she's got to honestly feel like she could win this thing one year. I mean, right. it's, it's tenths away, and her best time ever um, would have been in contention for the win. So... Um, she should have some big goals going forward, and I think ones that make her smile, not scare her. I was going to say, the person who won that race was a senior, right, at Williams? So, yeah. I mean, the, the, she's got two more years to try to, to get a national title under her belt. Yeah, and, you know, 
the one that got one one hundredth slower was um, Mary Lorita from Bowden, who ended up um, beating Caroline twice in our dual meet by one one hundredth of a second. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was nice to have that touch out there. It was nice to know that you you beat the national champion once in the season um, at NESCAC conferences, and that um, you've got two more shots at it. Um, and should things continue to go the direction that they are with Caroline, um, you know, I don't think we're going to put any limits on what's possible. But in the end, you know, you just go there and you try to race and, and you can only control what's in your lane. So you put together the best race and hopefully you've got that ability to close and, and finish um, with that with that new best time in that in that highest finish ever. And Caroline does that at the big meets. It was really awesome to see. One exciting thing about this team is you only had one senior travel to NCAAs and that was Lucy Faust and she did really well also, right? She did. She came to that meet, and Lucy was unbelievable. I mean, she jumped in on um, our 200 free relay in the morning and went her lifetime best swim uh, right on it. Um, then she went and swam the 800 free relay and, again, was right on her lifetime best. And then at the uh, in the mile on her last swim, she was just a second slower or two than her lifetime best. And you just, you know, when you see someone that's been there for three years and you see that when they need to be their best, they're right on it. Um, you have a lot of respect for that because, you know, everybody else goes to that meet and they add a second, they add a couple tenths. Um, some drop, some do this, some do that, but it is hard to do. And she didn't give us any indication that, you know, a lifetime best wasn't possible. And she also swam at her best every swim she did swim. Um, and I think that comes from consistency. And I, and I just hope that all those first years, we had six rookies this year yeah. go to the national meet. And they had some great swims, and they had some swims that were kind of just slightly off. And I think they, they all can say to themselves, if I keep coming back to this meet, I'm going to be like Lucy. I'm going to jump up there, and I'm going to go my lifetime best or better. Not, I hope this works out. It's, it's going to be there. Um, and I think that experience for Lucy paid off, and we saw it in her races. Um, and I was just extremely thankful that she was so dependable. And also, um, she got a Fulbright recently, she found out, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a good time to be Lucy Faust right now. <laughs> she uh, went lifetime best at NESCAC. She qualified for nationals on relays. She's never qualified for it before. Um, then she uh, went um, to California to watch her sister in a play, and that was the first time she was able to do that. And on the trip home, she found out she was a Fulbright winner. Um, and then the next week, she was heading off to nationals, and she's coming home a two-time All-American. So... Um, it's just, uh, it was a great time and, um, everything I hope she had hoped would happen, um, came true. And I think that's the icing on the cake when you look at a four year career. You touched on the first years and the first timers who got to go to NCAAs. What do you think, what do you hope you mentioned that maybe a little bit, but more about what they learned from the experience? Yeah, I think they learned that it's a long meet. I think they learned that, um, the last month of swimming together as a group is really special. Um, and you want to get that extra month of training in and you want to get that time to head to nationals because it does pay off. Um, as I mentioned earlier, they learned that they can get to that meet and they belong there. Um, and then the other thing that, you know, we talked a lot about is, is if we're going to be that top 10 team in the country, we need, we need individuals there, not just relays. Mm. And we kind of took this approach to say, you know, okay, we're going to swim fast relays, but let's also you know, when no one's looking, swim some other events in this pool and see how fast we can go just off the coach's stopwatch. Um, and I did that so that they could 
go times that were fast individually and go, yeah, if I get to this meet and I have to swim individually and on relays, I've been there and done that before. And so this was whole, you know, like I hate to say anything like a rebuilding year. We brought nine to nationals, mm-hmm. but we lost five senior national level athletes last year um, that had been there two or three times. And, you know, Logan McGill four times, yeah. Teddy Pender three times, Riley four times. I mean, these people knew what was happening and knew, knew what to do. Um, and so when we bring six out of nine that are brand new to the meet, um, one of our returners was abroad for a semester. Right. You go, what, what's going to happen? And what happened was is they swam fast. Um, they were tough. They swam extra events when no one was looking. Um, and they know that if they get back next year, no matter what's thrown their way, they're going to be able to handle that. And that, that was what we wanted. We were 20th in the country. Um, we scored in all five relays. All nine of them came back at night. Um, and scored points and we're all Americans and now they know um, I can do it and I'm ready for it when it happens again and that's going to be what takes us to the next level when we bring in another recruiting class and they want to get there too. Yeah, you touched on that. Yannicka Ho was abroad in the fall and she will be a senior next year probably expecting big things from her uh, in her final season. Yeah, she, <laughs> you know, not to get too personal, but she looked at me and said, those races hurt uh-huh. and I want to start training so that they don't feel like that again. And I said, Yannicka, that's... That's music to my ears because she is a very special athlete with tremendous talent. Um, and when she showed up on campus in January, she worked her tail off. Um, but it was six weeks. And then uh, it was NESCAX. And, and then those last four weeks, you know, there's only so much you can do um, to get to that next level, physiologically speaking. And she dealt with um, trying to make herself go as fast as possible with less in the tank her aerobic capacity wasn't as big as years past so she knows what needs to happen she knows that she can swim fast no matter what and if she takes um, an excitement and passion and engagement into her summer of fitness and training and then rolls it into the fall you could see her have a monster senior season that just turns heads everywhere yeah it must be nice to finish 20th you know top 20 in the country when you mentioned it was kind of a rebuilding year yeah i mean like i said it was um one of our best years ever. We finished fourth in the conference. Um, We finished 20th in the nation, Um, but we had a lot of learning to do. We had 11 freshmen, 12 freshmen on the team, on the women's team. Um, We had uh, the same on the men's team. Um, And so we were learning what it meant to be uh, a bait swimmer, um, what it meant to compete for the college, what it meant to to swim your best when it was the toughest and the hardest and, and the greatest competition out there. So, with half of your team learning that for the first year, you go and say, wow, the men finished fifth, which was one up. The women finished fourth, which was two up um, from last year. And then you go to nationals and everybody scores. You go, that that's the experience and the rebuilding, um, you know, in quotation marks, the rebuilding right. that, that you really hope exists so that you can flirt with that top 10 program in the country, which has always been the goal here at Bates. Now you got uh, swim lessons, right? That's what's up next for the swimming team? Yep, we, we showed up... Uh, Sunday um, from a flight back from North Carolina and I said all right as I dropped him off around 2 30 I'll see you I'll see you at four for swim lessons and we had 90 kids show up um, taught some lessons last night and now they're going to start um, coming back for the next uh, eight eight or so days over the next two weeks and, and teach some kids some swimming get them excited about the sport teach them something that's important in life and survival and all that jazz and and really just spread the love in the community and, and get involved and so it's tough as a college athlete to to juggle a swim season, academics, and all that goes on, um, and then have this thrown your way too. 
Um, but they get here and they smile and they have a great time together as a team and they have a great time sharing their love with the kids in the community. And that makes me smile even bigger because we're swimming fast, but we're doing more than just being swimmers. All right, Peter Casares, women's swimming 20th in the nation this year. Thanks so much. You bet. Go Bobcats. Sophomore Caroline Apathy earned five All-America honors at NCAAs, giving her 10 for her career so far. A third place showing in the 100-yard butterfly stood out among her performances. And Caroline Apathy is our female Bobcat of the week. Four days there, the NCAA championships last week in North Carolina. First day, the, you're part of a medley relay team, the 200-yard medley, that gets first team All-America, eighth place. That was a, quite the way to start off the NCAA championships, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really fun. Um, I was not, we were really trying to get top 16 and all the relays and when we made top eight that was a very exciting moment to happen especially um I swam with Yannicka before in the medley relay but with Emmy and Susie it was really fun and it was a nice experience to have for it to be on the first day too. (laughs) I was gonna say so you have the morning swim right and if you get top eight in the morning you you get to race in the final right and so at that point it's kind of all gravy a little bit yes (laughs) yeah when you make top eight you make podium automatically but um the uh top 16 like put ninth place to 16th place you're just you're in the b final where you get a second chance of swimming but you don't get a trophy or (laughs) at the end so you got a trophy, though, for the 200-yard medal. Yeah, medal. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the butterfly, you know, coming in as the top seed, what was going through your mind kind of? Was there a lot of – did you feel a lot of pressure? Um, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt pressure to get top eight in the 100 fly. Um, I just wanted to – in the morning, all I was focused on was making top eight because yeah. girls were going to go faster. Um so I was in my heat, and I was next to Maya Hare again, like yeah. I did at Nescax, and it was really fun because we like swimming against each other. Um, and so I didn't. I try not to focus on being the top seed at all because that would have kind of messed me up a little bit. But yeah. And in the final, you tied for third. That that's, yeah. that's a that's a tight race. Yeah, I had no idea I tied at all until like. 10 minutes before we got up for the podium um I was really happy that I got third I was ecstatic because I didn't really have any expectations and I didn't know I was going to score that high um looking back on the race it was really really close and it could have been anyone um Mary Larita who swims for Bowdoin she got fourth and she was only a hundredth behind me and the girl that both got third so yeah yeah it's really close. My hair on, on Williams, is she, a, is she a sophomore also? She's a senior. Oh, she's a senior, so you yeah. don't have to worry about her next year. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, yeah. She, yeah, but she really, I am glad she won. Like, she really deserved it. It was a good race. Right, because, I mean, you get two more shots at this where this was her last chance. Yeah, yeah. It, and out of the whole, like, if I wanted, wanted to give it to anyone, it would have been her. So, yeah. After a very busy second day, third day you didn't have to swim at all. That must have been nice. Yeah, it was very nice. I got to sit back and just watch swimming and not be stressed over it. I watched um, Emmy Daigle's 100 breasts. She had 100 breasts individually. And also the um, our 8 free relay swam. So that was Aaron Bucky and Maya. 
and uh, Lucy and Caroline Sweeney, they all swam and it was really fun to watch because we watched them train for the two free for the past like month, so it was fun. Well, for the women, this was a, a lot of first-timers at Nationals. Uh, yeah. what was, uh, not, not for you, you went last year, but what was it like seeing them, you know, being able to, you know, finally get the chance to swim on the biggest stage? I mean, it was fun. Like, it's interesting to see, like, how it feels swimming with the Met Nescacs and then go to Nationals because, I don't know, it's kind of, it is a bigger stage, and... It, they do rise to the occasion when it comes to it, and um, we're all coming back, all Americans, and that's, like, a great feeling because I don't think, I don't know, we were all expecting to get a few all-Americans, but the fact that we all did it was awesome. Yeah, no one feeling left out or anything. Everyone no, no one feels left out, <laughs> exactly, yeah. I saw that there was a lot of pride in seeing Lucy swim her mile for the final time, right? Yeah, it was awesome race. She was next to an Emory girl, and kind of we coming from a small school and coming from a NESCAC school all the NESCAC schools we cheer for each other and we are all like hoping the best for each other so to beat those big D3 schools like Emory, Denison and Kenyon so when she's head to head with this Emory girl we're screaming our heads off for Lucy to go and the fact that she just went three seconds like from the time she went from this guys was awesome. That's great. Right, because Emory, don't they win it like every year? Pretty they, much? Yeah. yeah. They, yeah. Um, I forget. I think the girls won this year, mm-hmm. the Emory girls. Um, but yeah, they're and they're huge presence in the stands and just like everywhere so the NESCAC bands together I saw they were like doing chants and everything yeah yeah. we have this like New England um cheer that we do and we did it after the senior ceremony and it was really fun yeah awesome well I mean any other thoughts on you know the trip to nationals and what you're looking forward to you know next two seasons coming up um I'm looking forward to seeing what our girls are able to do now going forward um I mean, Lucy was the only senior we, like, are losing, which was a big loss in the distance area. But um, going forward, like, i expecting to see all these girls, like, going to nationals again with all these girls, and even more, I hope. And, yeah, that's, I'm excited for the next two seasons. The baseball team traveled to MIT on Wednesday and defeated the Engineers 7-4. Junior Nolan Collins struck out six batters over six innings of work to earn the win on the mound. And first-year Brian Gotti gave Bates the lead for good in the first inning with a two-RBI double. Gotti followed that up with a strong doubleheader against Plymouth State on Sunday. He tallied four hits over the course of two games, smacking a pair of doubles and driving in two runs in Game 2 to help Bates earn a doubleheader split with the Panthers. Gotti is hitting 303 on the season through 11 games, and he is our male Bobcat of the Week. Male Bobcat of the Week, Brian Gotti with us here on the Bobcast talking some baseball. And Brian, tell us a little bit about your background. When did you first start playing baseball? I know a lot of kids you know, start t-ball and work on up. How did it go for you in terms of your you know career in baseball up until coming to Bates? You know, absolutely. I was one of those kids that started right away playing t-ball. My older brother, my dad, threw us right into it. And I absolutely loved it from the beginning. You know, played up through the ranks. Got to Westwood High School, um, which was my first high school. Played there for two years. I transferred to Belmont Hill where I really grew as a baseball player. And I was actually a pitcher for a while before I switched over when I went to Belmont Hill to a first baseman. And I've absolutely loved every moment of it, you know, playing in the summer, playing in the fall whenever I can, you know, 
As long as there's not snow on the ground, I try to get on the field as much as possible. So you got that six foot four frame. When did that growth spurt hit for you? I, I've always been big. I yeah. mean, I, I was. It's funny. I was bigger than my kindergarten teacher in kindergarten, which I always <laughs> thought was funny. But I reached six feet in about eighth grade, uh-huh. so I've been really big for a long time. And you know, I've just been working on filling out that frame and you know, modeling how I wanted to be and you know, adjusting it to how my play style works. So. You mentioned uh, you used to be a pitcher, then you moved to first base. It reminds me of Moneyball and, uh, you know, first base. It's not that hard. It's incredibly hard. What were your thoughts on adjusting to first base in terms of defensively? I mean, it's two totally different games. You know, yeah. as, as a pitcher, you know, you don't have the offensive side of it, and you're, like, you're involved every play. You control the pace of the game. At first base, you know, it's a lot different. Um, defensively, you know, it's not too difficult to get used to. It's still a difficult place, you know, doing picks and everything. You know, makes it makes it difficult, but I think the offensive side was definitely the biggest change because for a bunch of summers, you know, coaches had put me on the mound and said, you're not hitting, you know, you're just doing this. And I finally had coaches who believed me and put me at the plate, and, you know, I, finally, I produced right away, and I grew as a hitter. So definitely, I think hitting is the hardest thing to do in sports. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people who fail are in the Hall of Fame for hitting, so it's funny how that works, but I definitely think that, you know, those people who believed in me and let me hit, you know, saw the true potential in me, and I kind of saw my true potential at the plate as well. When you started hitting more regularly, you know, as a left-handed bat, what were some adjustments you had to make? I mean, I know for left-handed hitters, it can be tough against lefty pitchers sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, facing lefties was something I was really unfamiliar with. You know, there weren't a lot of them when I was growing up and actually still hitting. That and, you know, adjusting to really good off-speed, you know, because you're th- in BP, you're just throwing a bunch of fastballs and stuff, sometimes mixed in an off-speed. You know, there's only so much preparing you can do there. So when you get a really good pitcher on the mound, you know, I faced a guy who was drafted in the third round my junior year of high school, and he's, he threw 96, and his off-speed was his best stuff. And, you know, he struck me out all three times I faced him. And, you know, from there on, you know, it's just learning how to deal with the off-speed. And, you know, if you, if you can prepare for that, I know I can hit fastballs. If you can prepare for the off-speed and make the adjustments you need to do and simplify your swing, then, you know, you'll be all set. I'm curious, you know, you, when you're looking at colleges, what made Bates the place for you? You know, for me, I the thing that sold it was Coach Martin. You mm-hmm. know, I came I came on the recommendation from a coach from Babson, actually, Coach Ginsburg, who's, you know, my dad had met throughout the recruiting process and stuff. And I wasn't really looking to go to a school that close to home. You know, Babson's and Wellesley. It's a fantastic institution. You know, I, I love the place. It's awesome. The coaching staff's amazing. Some of the, I know some of the players. They're absolutely great guys. But for me, it was when I first had that first conversation with Coach Martin, I think that kind of sealed the deal. You know, it's, I, just, I figured this was a guy I could grind for every day, put, put it all on the line for, and someone I could really be under for my next four years here. You know, I think that the coaching is a big thing for me. Because if you and the coach don't communicate well or aren't really on the same page, it doesn't make it as fun and a little more stressful. But I think with him, you know, it's free-flowing, but everyone knows when to, like, bear down and get the work done. And it's absolutely – it's a fantastic atmosphere. So it sounds like you played – you know, get some really quality competition when you were in high school, you know, high draft picks and everything. But high school, the, t- the levels can vary. What's been adjustments maybe coming from high school to college? Um, for me, I was, you know, blessed to play in a league, the ISL, that has really high competition. You know, I have friends of mine from my school who play college baseball, friends from other teams, and you build a lot of relationships there. You know, for me, I think um, facing certain pitchers, it's, there's a lot of similarities. You know, we face guys that were high-end D1 arms who were either young or in their senior year and stuff. So we, we definitely saw the best um, from what high school has to offer, I think. And, you know, coming into the uh, chairman of the NESCAC, I know that, 
you know, each team has an ace or two that's, you know, really good. It's going to be every one of those pitchers. So, you know, it's all about, you know, driving up their pitch count, getting them out of the game, working deep into that bullpen. Because when you have those three-game series, you know, it's all hands on deck. And, you know, if you can get those big guys out of the game, then you're, you're pretty good offensively. Interesting. I've noticed, you know, on this team, it, you know, you, Truly, uh, White, you know, you guys are kind of sluggers, if you will, big big hitters, and probably competing for some playing time there, right? Because first base is DH, and that's about, <laughs> that's about it sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one more name you absolutely have to throw in the list there is Noah Laughlin. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's been one of the, he's actually been one of our better hitters in the chances he's had, and I absolutely love the kid. He's he's actually helped me through some rough times through the season, which has been fantastic. But I think all four of us are absolutely fantastic hitters, and we make it really hard to leave our names out in the lineup. And we push each other every day to get better because we know if one of us slips up, you know, the next guy's right behind us, ready to go, and he's going to produce the numbers that you, you couldn't at the time. It's all about keeping that, you know, high level of uh, production. But, you know, it's, it's all love between the four of us. It's fantastic. There's no, there's no, there's no malintentions, no malfeelings between playing time. You know, the four of us, we all work together, work to get better, and we work to help the team. So NESCAC play starting this weekend. I mean, it's, it's it's twelve games, and that decides who gets to the tournament, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, every game matters. It's crazy. You know, it's I felt like the tough series in the fall was so far away and was never going to get here, yeah. but here we are, the week of the game, and I think we're coming in really strong. You know, coming off a sixteen hit uh, game two against Plymouth State, I think our heads are in the right place. Our pitching staff has worked really hard. They're looking really good right now. So I think everything's clicking at the right time. It's going to take a great week of practice to get ready for it. But, you know, Tufts is a fantastic team. I know some of the guys on the team. I actually played for one of the coaches one of my summers. I know they're like a, they're a class organization. So I know that it's going to be a long, long Friday and Saturday. It's going to be some hard games that come down to the wire. And, you know, I think if we, if we can win those late innings, then I'm, I'm confident in, in uh, us in the series. For you, back at the plate a little bit, it, it, it certainly looks like you had the potential to be, you know, kind of a, a home run hitter, if you will. have got a lot of doubles so far this year. Is one of your goals maybe in college to, to turn those doubles into homers, perhaps? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, for any, for any power hitter, he prides himself on the amount of home runs he gets. Yeah. You know, doubles are fantastic. Extra bases, I love them. But, you know, for me, in high school, I was, you know, the home run hitter. In college, I want to have that same reputation, you know. And that's all about, you know, I've, I've come close a couple times, you know, and, you know, you get the guys, John, saying weight room and stuff in the, in the <laughs> locker room. And that's true. You know, it's um, just catch a ball right, you know, in the right time, right field, and then the go. But it's also, you know, making myself better in the weight room. You know, the more, the more strength I build, the farther the ball is going to go. You know, it's, it's simple like that. But, you know, as simple as it sounds, it's something I need to definitely commit myself to throughout my career. And, you know, I think as the years go on, as I get stronger, you know, I think more and more balls will be leaving the park. All right, Bates at Tufts this weekend. Brian Gotti, Mail Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. The rowing teams traveled to Boston this weekend to open their spring season. The men are coming off their first appearance at the IRA National Championship Regatta last spring, and the women look to win a third straight NCAA championship this year. No, neither team has gone on the water yet this spring. But head coach Peter Steenstra is used to that. It's the same thing it's always been, right? We just train uh, throughout the winter. The kids are working on their own. And then when we get together in, in uh, Florida for February 15th or so, get a weekend, a, a week of rowing down there, sort out a few things, find out who who's able to still make the boat go well. And then we come back home and we're inside for a month. And they just train together. And we spend a little more time trying to find ways to fine-tune their stroke or at least aspects of it when we're indoors uh, we've got the ergometers obviously 
but then we also have poolside rowing stations that we use in the pool and we try to stay out of the way of the swimming team because they're they're busy and doing what they're doing they're quite good going NCAAs which is awesome uh, so we're happy to see that um, but the longer the, the longer they're uh, racing you know the the less time we get in the pool sides but you know we've been been able to work it out and got some time in there great and then the women's team was just recently honored the NCAA tournament you've done that before what's, what's that experience like for you and for the women oh it's fun they for me it's uh unique in that I don't have anything to do I don't even have to drive the trailer anywhere so sitting on the bus for me is uh completely foreign uh but <laughs> so it, it was a nice drive down and and uh being able to go into a big stadium like that and get recognized by 16,000 people is not something that rowers typically experience even when they're racing or or doing something else but um yeah it was just fun and get to stand on the court and you watch seven foot guys playing basketball and it, it it's a fun time for sure all right so tell us about who the teams are racing this weekend yeah the men are, are doing their annual with the harvard lightweights real early season stuff um which is nice and that's a big program of five eights worth of rowers and obviously it's harvard so a lot comes with that, and um, it's fun for us to be able to just match up against such a good program that's supposed to beat us easily. Uh, so at, at any point, if we can kind of hang on to them, then it's, it's fun for our guys. And then we'll see um, Boston College, which is a, a club that sort of has had ups and downs over the years, but this they're clearly on an upswing right now. Had a good spring um, last year, and they're uh, kind of back into being a big program they've got five eights worth of guys as well uh and then trinity's there so we have a nice nescac opponent to go along with it on the women's side it's um simmons is the 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 actual host of the regatta but then the mit lightweights we're racing them as well as the trinity women will be there okay great Well, you mentioned the men, you know, Harvard lightweights. Uh, that must not be particularly intimidating since they were competing against the heavyweights uh, last uh, June, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'd think so, but it, those guys are uh, they're, they're wily at, at, is the, probably the best way to say it. But they're clearly a hardworking group, and, and they're very fast. They're all fully recruited, and they're from around the world and, right. and all that. Uh, but it, it, it's a good early season test for us. If we're anywhere near them at all, then we know that we have some good speed, especially at a time when we haven't been on the water except for a week in February. How are the boats looking compared to what you did at the head of Charles this past fall? Um, pretty similar. Uh, on the women's side in particular, we had a, a, a couple of people coming back from abroad. So with, they, with them coming back, it's nice. Um, and we've got, um, we have one of the returning Varsity 8 members from the fall who has got an injury, so... That's Sally Harris Porter. She's kind of dealing with that for this through this week, so she won't be racing this weekend. Okay. Um, but having the the juniors back from abroad is big, and there's a couple strong people in there, so we'll see how it goes. Tell us about your captains on both teams. Yeah, the captains are, are good in a good position. Um, you know, we've got uh, Rintel or Sophia Rintel. We've got Sophie Claus is another one, and then uh, Claudia Glickman. So those are the three women's captains. Um, they're a good bunch. They, they uh, work well together. They each have their strengths. They each have distinctly different personalities, I would say, and, and um, they've been able to work well with us, with all the coaching staff pretty easily. On the men's side, it's uh, Eric Jordan and Trevor Fry, two distinctly different people. 
<laughs> which is which is great to see because it, it's fun to watch them just trying to work together as as a couple of captains and and guys that are they share this common thread that is a sport and I I just honestly don't know that they would even know each other if it weren't for the fact that they both uh, love rowing and and they're a part of a good program so they're figuring all that aspect out but we're we're so far into the year at this point that they've kind of worked through most everything and it's just time to perform. How specifically do their personalities differ? Yeah, uh, Eric Jordan is a pretty in- intense guy. Uh, if you can crack a smile on him, then, then you're doing something right. Uh, and Trevor Fry is, is uh, one of the nicest people around that you're ever going to meet. And he's, he's very aware of what the team's pulse is and how everyone's feeling and um, – he seems to know every single person on campus. I, anytime I'm standing there with a guy, at least 10 people walk by and, and say hi to Trevor. So he's he's pretty well known, I guess. And then on the women's side, you know, Rintel's been doing this since she was a first year in terms of being in the first yeah. boat, right? Yeah, she is, yeah. You you could say that she's pretty battle-tested at this point. So, right. yeah, she knows, knows what she's doing, and she's leading from that position of uh, being in the stern end of the boat and being a senior and being a longtime member of the Varsity 8. Is it... A good thing that you know you have these seniors who who still remember what it's like not to win a national championship. Um, well, I, I guess so. Yeah. I, we're, we don't spend a lot of time looking back. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Right. Um, they're very focused on what is the task at hand and moving forward into the season. And and we're a long way from from NCAA's, much less you know anything else. So we've we've uh, we've got our work cut out for us. And yeah, they're ranked first in preseason polls and all that kind of stuff but we you know no one's even been on the water yet so who knows what's going to happen well yeah i was going to ask like surveying the landscape of women's rowing i mean you know williams is you know going to have a presence of some sort you've seen ithaca in recent years who are some other schools bates should keep an eye on this year maybe when we're looking forward to maybe seeing them compete with before ncaa's or at ncaa's perhaps yeah, I know I'm supposed to know this right away, <laughs> but there's there's nothing to go on. I okay. mean, we have yeah. Charles results, and then we have uh, yeah. a whole bunch of people just like us who have, have kids coming back from abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, there, there isn't any way to know because yeah. anything that we're doing in our spring training trips is just scrimmage work, and you're not yeah. really supposed to be posting any of those results. Right. So. I would say that Wesleyan's going to be strong as usual, and Williams will be strong. WPI is going to be strong because mm-hmm. they they're the ones that kind of made it to NCAA and then sort of surprised a lot of people with a, a big third place team finish. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, I think the field continues to improve as training deeper into um, the divisions is only going up. Um, there's no one in the rowing world who's saying, you know what, let's let's not bother with it. We'll just We'll just let it go as it is, and we won't try to get any better. You know, everyone is obviously yeah. trying to get better, and so they're changing what they're doing, and, and that makes for more interesting races. Do you get more of a sense by New England's or before that, perhaps? I mean, we'll know more yeah. within the next three weeks here. Yeah. Um, and we're the ones that are kind of going into exam time, and then we have that nice break where we get to do a lot of training leading into the New England championships. But I think we'll have a good idea of who the real competitors are in this region by uh, you know the week before New England's rowing, obviously the ultimate team sport. Everyone working in unison. The coxswains stand out a little bit because they're the ones not rowing, right? They're the ones instructing and and motivating. Who are the coxswains uh, this year on the men and women's side? Well, well, I, the easy the easy part is I can I can say that uh, Liza Folsom on the women's yeah. side is varsity eight, 
and you got Elise Grossfeld is the women's second eight. And so things on the women's side are a little bit more clear-cut. And on the men's side, I, you know, at this point, I wouldn't even say who the top coxswain is. We have, we have a senior in Ariel Lee. We've got a uh, junior in Holland Doyle who came back from abroad. We have a, a really strong up-and-coming first-year um, Saltman, uh, Evan Saltman. We call him Salty. Uh -huh. uh, and then we have a, a pure novice who's just getting better leaps and bounds, uh, Aiden Temperino, who... Know, started out with us last year, but he just keeps getting better and better all the time. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting uh, dynamic on the men's side for the coxswains. And there's, unfortunately, we're going to, we have four coxswains and there's going to be someone who doesn't have a boat come the end of the, mm. come race time. So uh, we've got uh, some work to do there to figure out who's who. Interesting. So Aiden came in to Bates having no experience at all being a coxswain and has, you end up taking, um, I remember Aiden to IRAs last year. He uh, didn't necessarily, you know, be a coxswain in the boat, but was there. Yeah. yeah. Not only that, but he ended up filling in at the Charles this fall. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, Ariel Lee was the coxswain scheduled for that race. She ended up having to uh, fly out of town and was going to fly in and there was a problem with the flight and so she, she didn't make it. So yeah. we had to, you know, it's... Good luck. Tempe just jumped in and said, "I got a coach. I'll take care yeah. of it." And he did did the best he could. And they had a they had a disappointing uh, piece down there, but you can't say it was all just just him and his driving. So uh, I would say that he really he kind of took it on the nose down there with that race. And but at the same time, he was willing to stick his neck out and do it. Yeah. Right? He could also have said, "No, I don't want to do that right now," and and he would have probably been justified in doing that. But um, no, he he stepped up to the occasion and did the best he could. And I think that he learned a lot about himself and his courage level and everything. And and again, just adding that into the, the mix of the year, it's yeah. going to be interesting. Do you see a lot of competition for the first varsity eight this year, um, men and women's side, or is it set somewhat at this point? Oh, we're not even Yeah, not a even lot of close. competition. A lot of competition. Yeah. On the men's side, we have – it's a big first-year class, mm. so there are at least two guys that are pretty securely in that boat, but there's at least two others that are knocking on the door. Uh, and on the women's side, we have, man, I would say we have 11 deep um, as far as people who can make that that group. Um, so it, it's a in injuries and things yeah. like that aside, uh, you know, we have a long way to go to figure out who's going to be making up these eights. Yeah. What are you most looking for? What are you trying to notice this weekend, your first kind of regatta, first time on the water in quite a bit? I'm looking forward to just seeing liquid water. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's my number one thing. I can't wait for that. Yeah. I can't wait to see if we have all the parts for all the boats and if everything's going to go together properly and, you know, all that kind of Logistics. stuff. Logistics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're just excited to get on the water. I mean, the, the athletes have been working hard. Even long before me and the other coaches came in, mm -hmm. they've been working hard, and, and I, I think that they're they're getting a little tired of being in the erg room. And who can blame them, right? It's uh, it, there's just only so much erging you can do before you start to lose it a little bit. All right, well, we're looking forward to seeing the Bobcats out on the water this weekend down in Boston. Peter Steenstra, thanks so much for previewing the rowing season. Great, thanks. Next time on the Bates Bobcast. We'll recap the opening weekend of Ned's CAC play for the softball and baseball teams. The lacrosse teams take on Hamilton this Saturday, with the men hosting the Continentals at noon on Garcelon Field. We'll recap all that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, 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 Bates.